Welcome back from an Easter weekend, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Delaney Howell, and joining me is my co-host, Mike Pearson. Mike, how was your Easter? You know, it was really nice. We had, uh, I think, decent weather. Did it rain on Saturday? Yeah. Rained on Saturday. <laughs> we got a pile of rain, like little thunderstorms rolled through. Mm-hmm. But Sunday, Easter Sunday, was uh, beautiful weather. Spent some time with the family, and uh, I ate way too much chocolate. Oh, good. Yes. You'll have to share some with me. I didn't get any Easter chocolate. Oh, well, there, there's none left to share, Delaney. It's all gone. <laughs> so did you do anything uh, Anything good? I, I saw on Snapchat that looked like maybe you'd got uh, some new pets. They, they're not my pets. My mom got my nephew some baby ducks. And uh, my brother and sister-in-law left them at the house. So I don't know if they're going to keep them now. Oh, or nice. I texted my mom after uh, she sent me a picture of them and said, are you sure that Jace, my nephew, are you sure Jace is going to take these home with him? Or are they going to become grandma's new project? Well, And she said, no, they're taking them home. But they didn't take them home yet. So we'll see if now they're just maybe they'll just be thrown in with the chickens. Who knows? Well, yeah. And I'm thinking, what are we? We're mid-April. I mean, they'll probably mm-hmm. be ready to go by Christmas. Pop them in the oven and <laughs> eat as pets. Yeah. Yeah, that was one of the, the best things. I was uh, Heidi and I were on a road trip. We were going down to South Carolina, and the interstate through Kentucky, I forget which interstate it was, the north-south one, was closed. So they had us off on these back roads going through the mountains, and it's, you know, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, and we're on these switchback roads going through the Appalachians, and I my headlights shone up, and there was a sign, and it said, Rabbits for sale, $3, food mm-hmm. or pets. Oh, it's nice. like it's dealer's choice. Yeah, they work for right. both. Mm-hmm. You can love them well, forever least... or eat them. <laughs> I feel like ducks are a little more um, normal food than rabbits. Well, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, think... I guess it depends who you ask. Right. Yeah, I think you'd probably you're more likely to find duck, I think, in a fancy restaurant. than yeah. you are To find rabbit. Yeah. If that's yeah. what you were getting at there. Yeah. Right, exactly. But there were some ugly ducks, let me tell you what. Ugly ducklings. Well, you remember the moral of that story. They're going to grow <laughs> up and become delicious. All right. We'll have to see, I guess. Yeah. So what do you have for, for news-wise? Did anything happen over the weekend or uh, going into the first of the week here? So Vice President Pence and Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross are both going to Japan this week. And hopefully bilateral trade will be on their agenda. Okay, when do they go? Um, I believe Pence is already there. Him and his wife, I think, are in South Korea today. And then I think they will be heading to Japan later this week. I'm not sure what day exactly. And he also says he plans to visit Indonesia and Australia. And then Ross will just be going to Japan to meet Pence later in the week. Okay, and so hopefully we'll get some some bilateral trade agreements. Uh, yes, at least started. Maybe get that conversation fired. Right, up. right. Yep. Interesting. Well, that will be good news. Hopefully, it has potential to be good news. Yeah. Yeah, and so kind of more on the uh, the domestic front, uh, Mosaic, the uh, fertilizer marketer or uh, retailer or miner or provider. Well, I guess Mosaic does a little bit of everything. They mm-hmm. came out, their uh, Corin Ricard, who is the senior vice president of the U.S. and uh, uh, potash and phosphate producer, said that uh, 
we're probably going to see increasing demand of those two fertilizer types. We've seen depleted inventories here in the U.S. And even with uh, current low crop prices, we are going to see more go on. She says this uh, depleted supply combined with large crops, which have led to a meaningful drawdown of nutrient levels in the soil, have resulted in farmers increasing application rates. So folks, we're probably not going to see too much of a break on fertilizer prices because they run on supply and demand as well. And if demand is staying strong and Mosaic forecasts phosphate demand to grow by 11% and potash demand is going to rise by 17% over the same period, basically over the next five years. So might not be the worst call to get some of that booked in today for as far out as your retailer will let you. Wow. Yeah. You got anything else, Delaney? Well, of course I do. Um, April 11th was Iowa's earliest corn plant date to be covered by insurance. A few other states have had their corn plant dates come into effect. Missouri's was in March. Um Illinois was beginning of April, Nebraska's was beginning of April, Indiana, Wisconsin. So a lot of states have reached that earliest corn plant date, and many have also met the soybean plant date or are nearing it here soon. So farmers are starting to get into the fields, even with a little wet weather. But looking out into the future, Soy Canada announced, I believe it was this past weekend, that by 2000. 27, they could have an additional 10 million acres of soybeans in the country. And news reports have shown recently that China is decreasing acres in corn and also favoring soybeans. So looking out here into the near future, we see a large Brazilian and South American crop. China is now also following suit and switching to favor soybeans. And so is Canada. Yeah. Come on, people. We're going to see a lot of soybeans flooding the market, I would say, here over the next five to ten years. That's certainly what it looks like. But the, the catch there, of course, is demand. That has been very, very strong, continuing right. to be strong so far. So maybe if we continue to grow the livestock herds at the same time, increase demand for bean meal, we could soak up all these beans and folks could still make some money. Right. And speaking of another market to soak up some of these extra beans that will flood the market. Iowa Premium Selects has just recently built an $18 million farm near Derby, Iowa, which is housing 6,250 sows. And they have announced plans for three other sow farms coming here in the very near future. So by May 16th, they will have another one stocked in Riceville, Iowa, which will be another 7,500 sows. And two additional buildings are still in their permitting stages. But by fall, Iowa Select Farms say they will have 200,000 sows with plans for another 210,000 by 2018. Hey, hey, there we go. Building up, uh, yeah, building those those hog herds. That's right. And now we just need to find that asian market to get some of this pork into yeah yeah you know while we're talking about meat delaney uh there was a story and i'm sure this will shock folks this is a story out of california basically an advocacy group in los angeles has sued the los angeles school district for serving hot dogs (laughs) and other processed meats to students arguing they increase the risk of cancer 
The group, the advocacy group, is the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, and uh, they are asking the court to ban the district from offering processed meats. They did this in Los Angeles County. They're also pursuing the same suit in San Diego County. And, uh, you know, when we think about L.A. And, and Texas and all these other states, the Los Angeles district is the nation's second largest with more than 660,000 mm. students in kindergarten through 10th uh, through 12th grade. And uh, basically, they want them to get rid of all processed meats, including they serve a turkey pastrami croissant sandwich and a turkey hot dog and beef sausage and turkey chorizo. They want all of those gone. Mm. And I listened to something like a turkey pastrami croissant sandwich, a croissant sandwich. We never had anything like that when I was in school. No kidding. We had yeah, a grilled cheese like, and ooh. tomato soup and a crispito. You know, that was the, the highlight ooh, of the week. Oh, we did have the crispito, yeah. <laughs> yes, I remember lots of soup. I think my favorite lunch was Texas Mountain Day, and that's when they would put, like, a piece of garlic butter toast and then some meat and mashed potatoes and then cheese sauce on top. That was probably one of the best meals we had. Wow, we never had that. Yeah. No, we had... Uh... Gosh, yeah, tomato soup and grilled cheese, uh, crispitos. We had burritos, um, yeah, pizza. You know, that's yeah the big the big square slices of pizza mm -hmm. that fit Ooh, perfectly yeah. onto the lunch tray. Our pizza was never when they homemade it, it was always there's something not quite right about it. At the school pizza. Yeah. Oh. I yeah. always liked our school's yeah. pizza. They did a good job. But uh, but looking at this, coming back to the lunches in L.A. and San Diego, um, basically little info on the Physicians Committee, the group that's pressing, mm. pressing the suit. They are a Washington, D.C.-based nonprofit, and they advocate vegetarian and vegan diets. Uh, of course. Yeah, of course. They've also sent a petition to Amtrak urging them to eliminate processed meats from its menu. And, well, uh, I, thought yeah. that, I thought there had been a study that was released that – processed meats like bacon and hot dogs and all that stuff weren't proven to cause cancer and there were no linked carcinogens in those meats well so these guys are going back to 2015 that world health organization uh the iarc the international agency for research on cancer they did label processed meats as possibly carcinogenic to humans and that's what these folks are leaning on to to get this mm -hmm. thing taken seriously um, basically, it's just frustrating as livestock producers, as beef producers, and as a meat consumer to think that 660,000 students are going to be brainwashed with the garbage from this right. physician's committee. The The nice thing is the North American Meat Institute, which is an industry group of packers predominantly, uh, it's called the lawsuit a publicity stunt. And they mm -hmm. stand. They are standing by the nutritional benefits of meat, iron, zinc, vitamin B12, and you know it's all part of a balanced diet. So we'll see. But you know, I, there's nothing we can do about it. It's a lawsuit. Hopefully, the judge will throw it out and you know, laugh at these people in their face. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What else you got, Delaney? I just have one other quick update here. I don't know if we have any lamb producers that listen to the podcast, but. The U.S. Department of Agriculture announced they are seeking positions for the 2018 American Lamb Board, and there are going to be five vacancies with the board. With those include one 
position for a producer with less than 100 lambs, so more of a hobby-sized farm, one position for a producer with more than 500 lambs, one feeder position with less than 5,000 lambs, one first handler position, and one seed stock producer position. So if you're interested in applying, you should first consult with representatives from your your state sheep association and the ASI. And if you're interested after that, contact the uh, ASI executive director, Peter Orwick. What's the I in ASI? I'm guessing American Sheep something? Um, I think it's Institute. Oh, okay. Very cool. I don't know all that much about sheep, but uh, yeah, if that's a field you are in, by all means, get active and get a voice out there to, to the public. And yeah, and lamb is is I think honestly one of the most up and coming needs because a lot of other countries eat a lot of lamb. It's uh, raised pretty easily worldwide. I, I studied abroad for a semester in Bulgaria, and there was absolutely zero cows in the entire country that I ever saw. But I saw a lot of lambs, goats, chickens, some of those smaller, easier to produce animals. Sure, and you know you mentioned up and coming. This is, of course, apocryphal or uh, anecdotal. It isn't data by any means. But I was on Facebook for yesterday over Easter, and I saw more people cooking leg of lamb than I hmm. have ever seen ever. I mean, there were it was like every other post was a picture of a of a leg of lamb being roasted or crock potted or whatever. So, folks are are branching out and trying more proteins. Wait, so everything you see on Facebook isn't real? Well, I mean, these folks were definitely real. <laughs> I just don't know that we can count it as data. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. you're probably right. Yeah. But uh, yeah. either way, it's a good sign. All That's protein right. is good protein. That's right. Well, Mike, why don't you read us today's closing market prices, speaking of meat? Let's do that. But I'm going to go ahead and start with the grains, Delaney Howell. We're going to right. start with the May 2017 corn contract. Closed down four and three quarter cents. Finished the day at 366 and a quarter. December corn down a nickel. Finished at 389 and a half. In soybeans, the May contract down one and a half cents. Finished at 954 even. Novi beans up one and a quarter. Closed at 963 even. On the wheat side, May wheat down eight and a half cents, finished at four twenty one and a quarter. December wheat down seven and a quarter, finished at four sixty nine and a half. Looking over at the livestock side, this is one of those days, Delaney. I also wanted to touch on this. Today we saw every contract either hit a new contract high or come very, very close. And uh, that followed through all the way until the close. April live cattle finished up the day a dollar twenty two and a quarter, finished at one twenty six sixty. June live cattle up ninety seven and a half cents, finished the day at one fifteen sixty seven and a half. Looking over at feeder cattle, April feeders finished up a dollar thirty seven and a half, closing at one thirty nine seventeen and a half. May feeders up a dollar ninety five, even so close to two bucks, closed at one forty thirty five. Lean hogs, May lean hogs down 60 cents, finished at 67.70. June lean hogs down 20 cents, closed the day at 72.30. And finally, as we are continuing our dairy conversation today, April class 3 milk was up 1 cent, finished at 15.24. The deferred month May down 6 cents, closed at 15.14. And with that as the setup, Delaney Howell, would you care to introduce our interview for the day? 
I would love to. We are going to be talking to Maureen Lee, and she is the Director of Marketing and Communications for Grassland Dairy Products Incorporation. We're uh, going to hopefully finish up and maybe wrap up sort of our dairy focus from last week, and hopefully she can give us some answers about what's coming for the dairy industry. So let's kick it off to Maureen. Joining us now is Maureen Lee, and she is the Director of Marketing and Communications for Grassland Dairy Products Incorporation. Maureen, there has been so much going on in the dairy industry, but specifically with ties to Grassland. Do you want to just give our listeners a quick update from Grassland's perspective of the timeline of events that have happened? Yeah, so this unfortunately has been a very abrupt situation. Um, We found out from Canadian buyers just a few weeks ago that they would no longer be able to pick up our milk um, really within a two-day time period. So we were trying to adjust and figure out where we could put that million pounds of milk that we use for that sale um, in our plant as we make several other products. Um, But unfortunately, you know, a million pounds of milk, there was really no more additional processing lines where we could put that milk. So we notified farms as soon as we found out that we had lost a sale, um, that we would no longer be able to pick up their milk. So um, it might be a good point to note to point out that, you know, these farms did not have contracts. um, So we weren't really breaking any contracts. We were just trying to notify them and give them as much time as possible to find a new processor to take their milk. Now, from the grass... Oh, sorry, Maureen, go ahead. Oh, I was going to just, you know, kind of give an update that since then and kind of behind the scenes, we're really trying to work with um, other processors to see who has availability in their plan to take on this extra milk. Um, There's certainly a surplus of milk at this time, but um, we're really hoping that some other processors might be able to fit them in. You bet. Now... Uh, the loss of a, a million pound of million pounds of milk of processing capacity every day. What does that mean for for your plant? Are, are you guys going to have to be looking at layoffs as well? Is this uh, how how deep does this issue run? Certainly, that has been a concern. Um, you know, we do have a lot of local employees um, who would handle this product, but we're certainly hoping that we can kind of really take our time and see if there's still another fit in our facility for them to go to. Um, you know, this is definitely a, this could have an incredible impact on our employees, other farms that we procure milk from, our vendors. You know, this, you know, I think the whole dairy industry can see that this could be an entire domino effect. Mm-hmm. Now, who reached out to you from Canada? Was it another processing company like Grasslands? Um, that information I do not have. It was a Canadian buyer, not okay. necessarily like the government saying, you know, dairy policies, you can't come here anymore, but okay. of a Canadian buyer. Gotcha. Now, where are you guys based out of, Maureen? We're located out of Greenwood, Wisconsin. So that's in um, central Wisconsin, Clark County. Gotcha. And what other products does Grassland produce? Um, butter would be our primary business. Um, so that includes retail, food service, packaging for our butter. 
Um, we also produce anhydrous milk fat and some dairy powders. Okay. But this issue okay. really came down to the ultra-filtered milk. And that's the, the ultra-filtered. And is that a powdered product when it leaves your facility? That's actually um, one of our few fluid products. Oh, it is? Okay. So mm -hmm. it is shipped bulk tanked up, or was, up into a buyer in Canada. Correct. Huh. Okay. Hmm. So, and Maureen, we've been talking to a lot of dairy producers in Wisconsin about what's been going on. But what, I mean, what have you, you mentioned a little bit about what you've been doing to help them and talking to the processors. But what has it been like to be in that culture or that environment? I would say, you know, the situation is very strained right now. Um, certainly farmers are upset. And, I mean, this is an emotional time. It's their business, their livelihood. And certainly this is something we never wanted to do. Our business has always been about procuring milk, bringing in milk. And this was, unfortunately, a situation we just we couldn't take any more milk. Yeah, and we that had was... To and that was something you touched on at the very beginning of our conversation was the fact that we do have a surplus of milk right now. Dairy farmers get more and more productive every single year. Is that a trend you've yeah. noticed in the facility over the past five or six years? I think um, across the board in the dairy industry, there's definitely been an increase in milk. Um, farm operations have expanded. So certainly it was just kind of the perfect storm this at this point, um, with new policies and then the surplus of milk, um, you know, it's it's hard to tell anyone, no, don't expand your business. We're going to have a surplus. You know, nobody really knows what happens. On the bright side, we have seen an increase in demand for dairy products. So that's been helpful in supporting the supply. But, I mean, this just this just happened abruptly and everyone's kind of left in a difficult situation. You know, when you talk about the increase in demand, one of the stories that has jumped out at me, and, and I think it's pretty exciting, is the push away from margarine back towards real butter. I know McDonald's is using all real butter nowadays and, and more and more people are making that switch. Is that something you guys notice as you're marketing at the retail level or does that all happen I guess the dairy industry is one of those I'm I'm not all that familiar with. Do you see an increase in demand for butter products in particular? Um, butter has been steadily growing. I think recent, you know, last month it showed a decline. Um, but certainly consumers are moving towards real dairy products versus margin, margarine. But you can kind of see that, you know, in other dairy products as well, ice cream, cheese, yogurt. A lot of that has been expanding, but in certain, you know, that only can, it grows at such small increments, there's only so much that incoming milk can do to support that demand. Gotcha. Or the demand's not there to necessarily support the growing amount of milk supply. Production's growing faster mm -hmm. than the demand. Correct. Okay. Do you, with, with recent consumer trends changing towards organic or goat milk or almond milk has that affected grasslands production 
I wouldn't say it's directly affected our production. It's certainly something we're trying to keep aware of. Um, as you may know, there's some new um, legislature, legislature um, being introduced by our Senator Tammy Baldwin to stop the labeling of non-dairy products with milk. Mm. Um, so, you know, we try to keep abreast of those types of conversations. Um, certainly, if it's not a dairy product, we don't necessarily want those products to be called milk. It's somewhat confusing to consumers. Yeah, almond juice might be a better name for that particular beverage. Mm-hmm. Yep, or s- something. Yeah. And it's really an FDA regulation currently in existence, so just the enforcement of that regulation would probably certainly help the conversation in regards to dairy. You bet. Now, before we let you go, Maureen, this has been, as you've dealt with, and I'm sure your phone's just been ringing off the hook, it's been a tumultuous past uh, three weeks. Taking a step back and looking out a little farther, is there uh, are there reasons still to be excited in the dairy industry, particularly in Wisconsin, do you think? Right now, it's hard to say that with all the everything that's been going on. Um, certainly, I have hope for the dairy industry. Um, again, as consumers are turning more towards dairy rather than, um, you know, not necessarily you know, margin or things like that. We certainly hope people will continue to support the dairy industry. I know there's been some talk about people don't want to buy butter now. Um, but mm-hmm. we there are a lot of farmers that are giving their milk to make that butter. So we hope that consumers think about those products, those farmers. Um, also think about all the other dairy products that are out there and really help to stop kind of this devastating situation. Yeah, yeah. Enjoy the (laughs) flavor of butter and, of course, the delicious taste of ice cream. Yes, yes, exactly. (laughs) And cheese. Where the cheese Right, yes, and cheese, of course. How could I forget cheese? (laughs) Well, Maureen, we really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. I know you're really busy with everything, but please keep us updated if any new updates come out or if there's any change in um, grasslands processing or producing, please let us know. Yes, thank you. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Maureen. Well, thank you very much for taking the time, Maureen, to uh, talk to us here at Ag News Daily. It's one of those things where it's it's a it's a bad deal all the way around Delaney. You know, we talked to Jennifer Sauer two weeks ago or last week yeah it was just last week just last week and and i know that a lot of those producers are still struggling to find homes for their milk everybody get out there buy some ice cream buy some butter let's uh let's lend a hand here and help out our fellow Mm -hmm. producers in need that's right yeah and we're not going to quit following this by any means um But I think we have reached a plateau and there haven't been a lot of answers that have come from the dairy industry or anybody in legislature. So we are going to move forward with some interviews with other industries now. But we will keep you updated on what's going on in the dairy industry. If any new updates come about or any processors or producers voice that they're going to help the industry, we will let you know. 
Yes, and especially as we get closer to uh, May 1st, we will check back in with Jennifer and uh, some of the other growers up there to see how things look going forward. But with that in mind, Delaney, what other interviews do we have set up for the week? Oh my gosh, Mike, I'm so excited. This is the first week I think we have every single day of the week planned out for interviews. So do you want me to just lay it all out there? Let's lay it out there. Let's, uh, Let's drum up some enthusiasm. All right. Well, tomorrow you and I are going to be going to the Iowa Capitol in Des Moines, Iowa, and we will be attending the Iowa Cattlemen's Cattlemen at the Capitol event, hopefully talking to some producers and maybe even a couple legislators about what's going on in the Iowa industry. And then hopefully we can talk to a few ICA board members and there'll just be all sorts of people to pick from, really. There will be. There will be indeed. That'll be fun. What about Wednesday? Wednesday, we should be on board with Kristen Clark. She is a blogger. Um, Her blog is called At Food and Swine, and she's also a hog farmer. So we're going to talk to her about the pork industry, what it's been like to be a face for the industry and where the industry is headed. Thursday, we hopefully are going to be talking to Naomi Bloom for some market updates. And then Friday... Well, technically, we're talking to Senator Joni Ernst on Thursday night, but we will be holding that interview and sharing it with you all Friday when that when our podcast kicks out. But we have a lot of good things on tap for this week. And I just realized this, but we're going to have almost the entire week be filled with women in agriculture, which I think is awesome. Yeah, that's true. I'm the only non-woman in this whole week, right? <laughs> Well, I'm sure we'll talk to a few men tomorrow at the oh, Cattlemen right. at the Capitol. You're right. I'm sure we'll sure we'll find a but couple But we don't dudes. have any slated yet. So, yeah, we'll find some yeah. bros. We'll bro it out for a while on Tuesday. <laughs> You're kind of going to be the odd man out this week, Mike. You know, I grew up in a family with uh, four sisters. No, three sisters. That was close. You can't count there? Well, it's, oh, okay. it, it seems like so darn many, Delaney. <laughs> And then, you know, I'm married and uh, do business with you. And, uh, yeah, so I'm kind of used to being outnumbered. All right. Well, good. Yeah. All right. Well, Mike, do you have anything else to share with our listeners before we let them go for today? I don't. I want to wish everybody a very happy Monday. And uh, we will see you all again same time tomorrow.